Can what the locusts devoured be restored? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It is easy to sleepwalk through life doing whatever one pleases. It is comfortable to do whatever you feel like doing, to treat people however you feel like treating them. No child, when he is born, needs to be taught and instructed, hey friend, you are by nature selfless you need to be a little more selfish. Now we come from the womb turned in on ourselves, each one doing what is right in his own eyes, each one living for himself, living as if I mattered most, as if God did not matter. The most asinine of all advice is that which Disney continually pumps into our ears. Believe in yourself. No, belief in myself is precisely the problem. Or trust in your heart. No, my heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. It is easy to go through life simply doing whatever one wants to do. That is, right up until the consequences come. Right up until that moment in which the just and righteous judgment of God is at the gate. Can that which the locusts devoured be restored? When the diagnosis comes, when the divorce papers are filed, when the relationships are irreparably broken, can what the locusts devoured be restored? Without answering the question, the Lord first says, return to me. Return to me with all your heart, with weeping and mourning and fasting. And rend not your garments, but your heart. Return to me. For I am gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Yes, abounding in steadfast love. The devouring locusts of life, all of the consequences and afflictions are there to drive us into the arms of God that we might find there one who loves those who have made themselves his enemies. That he might be gracious and merciful to those who deserve it not. That is the heart of God. And can 
those afflictions, those curses, that judgment that has befallen us, can it be lifted? Can that which the locusts have devoured be restored? He answers tonight through the prophet Joel, yes. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. God made man in his image that man might go forth unto the earth and spread the rain of God. That's true before the fall. That's true after the fall, that we would be God's image bearers and emissaries to carry his good and gracious rule outward. That remains the case. But as we all know all too painfully, it is very easy for us to create hell on earth. If not for ourselves, for those around us. And collectively, all you need do is turn on the news and see how our little project is going. It is very easy to turn earth into a place barely distinguishable from hell. Are you one who is going to be an emissary and creator of hell on earth, or one who is going to be an emissary and creator of heaven on earth? Are you going to be one who brings chaos, or one who brings order? One who brings strife, or one who brings peace? One who brings stress, or one who brings calm? I don't mean to sugarcoat it because we do indeed serve a God who comes bearing a sword, who comes oftentimes with conflict, but always in the service of God, always in the service of changing that which must be changed so that heaven can come down to earth. Will we be animated by the Holy Spirit or the unholy spirit? That is a question the prophet Joel answers next. Is it possible to start fresh? If we have brought hell into our domain, is it possible that that would be restored, that we could just start over? And the answer there is yes. As you close your eyes tonight in sleep, you practice the mini-death of dying with Christ. And as you rise in the morning, you practice the mini-resurrection, the resurrection of Christ. Tomorrow all things are new. A new day stretches out before you that you might bring 
heaven to earth. Indeed, the cross itself is that place upon which all our sins have been laid. That's objectively true. But it is also the case subjectively that we must lay our sins on Jesus, that our consciences can be set free. I lay my sins on Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, and only in so doing can I be sure that I have been set free from all my sins and a clean slate, a fresh start, a new creation begun. On the cross, we see the locusts, the judgment and penalty of God fall upon an innocent Christ. We see the devastation, but we see that which the devouring locusts and the devouring judgment have done, reversed and undone on Easter morn. And it is this resurrection that you have been baptized into that each day might be new for you. Can all the evil and all the hell of this world be unwound? Can it all be set right? It seems impossible. But God, through the prophet, gives us a glimpse of what will in fact be. As he speaks to Israel, he speaks to every believer. He says, Behold, I am sending you grain, wine, and oil. Indeed, grain that is his body, wine that is his blood, oil that is his Holy Spirit, poured out that all things might again become new. He says to Israel and to all believers, I will remove the northerner from you and drive him into a parched and desolate land. Satan and all those powers of hell will finally and irrevocably be driven away by our God. He says unto Israel and unto all believers, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. And with these words, he casts away our fears, for our trust and our gladness are in him. And last but not least, he says to Israel and to all believers, my people, shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and no one else, and my people shall never again be put to shame. That is to say, the day is coming when all evil will be cast out and we will be cleansed of all evil. And we will be rightly healed and rightly ordered toward God and toward one another. Heaven on earth will come.
What is it that caused the Lord suddenly to act? Joel says he was provoked to jealousy. The Lord became jealous for his land. He loved it with that good and jealous love of a husband for his wife, of a mother for her children. I am yours and you are mine. I love you and I want you to love me. He was provoked to this loving jealousy. By what? By the fasting. By the weeping. By the mourning. By the rent hearts. By the resolve to live anew. He was provoked to jealousy for his land and for his people. And thus, St. Peter will write that with lives of godliness and holiness, we may hasten the coming of the day of the Lord. We may provoke him to jealous love for us such that he says, I want to set things right for them and I want to do it now. Let us then go about that business of provoking the Lord to jealousy, provoking the Lord to action. Let us humble ourselves and do righteousness and mercy and bring heaven to earth and to those around us. That in his holy jealousy he will come with such mercy and grace that he will remove our shame forever and ever. That he will come also in great strength to fulfill that which he has promised of old, that which will not falter. He will come and make all things right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.